So welcome back to a brand new episode of Lock, Stock and Two Joke and Alex. My name is Romano. My name is Dean. And we have the lovely Sophia. Hi guys. How are you? Good, thanks. <laughs> I <laughs> fucking hate the first five minutes. I said it. I think we were yapping for too long before it. <laughs> I fucking hate the How's first How's the drive down? Good, yeah. Good. Yeah. Good day today. Yeah, brilliant day. Positive day. Any any familiar phrases? A few, yeah. 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 I call him Doolin today, the christening. It was his sister's baby's christening, so it was nice to chat to him as well, because he's in recovery too, so... Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, we've been kind of going back and forth with Colin now. He's been looking for us to come on to his podcast and vice versa. Yeah, really looking forward to that when it, eventually when it happens. Yeah. This one's kind of in the, in the works quite a while now. Yeah. We've kind of gone back and forth over the last couple of weeks, but yeah. finally now it's in the works. Thanks for having me, I appreciate it. Thanks for coming down. Really, really appreciate it. You've got some story to tell and we're really, really looking forward to hearing it. Where do I start? <laughs> I suppose it takes us back to your childhood, you know, but before you found drink or drugs, like... My childhood was quite tough. Um, I'm a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. My father serving 18 years in prison for abusing me and my sisters. It was a crazy childhood. Um, I can't really talk about my mother because there's a court case going on at the minute, but like life at home was tough. I used to self-harm a lot as a child. I used to break bones and stuff like that and then when I was nine we moved from the flat we were living in into a house and then I started kind of mingling and drinking drugs when I was nine. I found hash and cheap bottles of cider and stuff like that and when I started I liked it, you know, and it kind of numbed things and kind of made me feel cool as well, like part of the gangs, you know, like when you grow up in a council estate, it's, it's normal, like, you know. 100%. Yeah. yeah. I used to run away from home a lot as well. Like I'd stay in derelict houses and friends' houses and stuff like and I'd be in house parties like with grown ups, like, do you know what I mean? And anything could have happened to me those parties, like and I still don't know to this day if that never did, do you know what I mean? And then when I was twelve I started working and started getting more money, so then I started upgrading the drink to bug fast and vodka and, and started taking speed and stuff like that. Coke wasn't really a thing when I was younger. I didn't really hear that till I was older. But like I would have taken any substance, like I was sniffing petrol, aerosol cans, just anything I could get my hands on, anything that like altered my way. Yeah, yeah, that numbed. Mm. It's like putting a plaster on a wound. If someone told me like drinking anything would have got me drunk, I would have, I would have took it and I would have took their word for it. I used to rob my father's tablets and he was on like really strong painkillers and I used to rob his tablets and stuff like that. And I tried to attempt suicide a few times, but thank God I didn't. So like, I think, I know deep down now it was a cry for help. I think if I really wanted to do it, I would have done it, you know, that sort of way. Yeah, my addiction got really out of control. And then I moved to Mayo and then I met my daughter's dad when I was 16. And we moved off to England over there like heroin was rife. I did try it once, but thank God it just wasn't for me. Someone was watching over me because I've such an addictive personality. I could have easily ended up being addicted to it, like, do you know what I mean? So, and then I got pregnant with Sarah, which was a blessing, really, because if I didn't, I, I tried it a second or third time, it could have been a different story, do you know, that sort of way. I kind of mellowed out with the drinking drugs for a while when she was small. And then I'd say the head shop thing came around. Going through all of these different phases you just spoke about, you still... Had nobody there you could talk to about any of this stuff. No, you they, probably didn't want it either, did you? I, I tried to talk to people a couple of times, but they made me feel like I was lying. Like, I went to social workers once, and they were taking me out of the family home. They were like, because my parents said I was making accusations, and they were, ta- the, they were taking me out of the family home and putting me into a place called Rice House, and... In my eyes, like that was like, oh god, I can't go there. It's petrifying. Do you know that sort of way? Kind of felt like it was your fault then. Yeah, I, I, co- I did, of course. Yeah. yeah, I felt like it was my fault. Even going in to like report it at the time, the a lot of the reason I went in is because I was scared to go home, not because of the abuse, but because I ran away from home and I was gone for days. Do you know that sort yeah, of way? Of like to me, the abuse was normal. That was that was just part of my life. I was more afraid of getting into trouble for other things, you know, that sort of way, because, like, my mother was very strict, so she was, like, she was really strict against us. And it was more a fear of that than the actual abuse. The times I did break bones and stuff like that, it was all a cry for help. But then, 
like even when I was going into the hospital, like the doctor would say that my story didn't match up to the breaks and stuff. But no one ever in- interfered or like asked what's going on yeah, here. It's like, yeah, right. yeah. And like even when I got my file and I was reading back on it, when I went in to report it at 14, it was r- written in the file, don't contact Gardaí. Do you know, so like when I think back to that, I didn't stand a chance against, do you know what I mean? Because they had their mind made up that I was the juvenile delinquent, basically, that I was the issue, not what was happening at home. Even though there was reports put in before that, I didn't stand a chance against them, really. Did you rebel against that then? Like, after oh, that 100%, point, yeah. yeah. Yeah, even more so. Yeah, because like nobody was there for you. Like, no. So everybody, that's fucking shocking. Like, yeah. It's like I only seemed to get attention when I was being bold, you know, that sort of way. Like, yeah, it's yeah. like, it's hard to explain. Like, it's when I was doing doing stuff wrong, I'd feel scared to go home. And I kind of got, I felt like my parents cared. Yeah. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Because yeah, people yeah. say, oh, your mother's looking for you, your father. And the attention yeah. was attention Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like. Yeah, yeah. I can, I can relate to that a lot as well. I used to cause havoc in the house. And I, I, the same kind of thing, fucking my parents would be out looking for me. But I craved attention. And I got it in all the wrong ways. Madness. It is crazy like how a child's mind works. But like when I think back, I, I, I never had a child's mind. You know, I always yeah, yeah. I was always, always felt responsible for something. And I thought I knew knew it all. You know, like every every young person does. I couldn't wait to grow up. You know, I, I, was, I was about 13 or 14 and I thought I was an adult. Yeah. So I was hanging around with older people. And like you said, in, in house parties with like 40 year old men and all that kind of stuff, taking any amounts of drugs. And now that I'm older now, I'm like, what the fuck? It's crazy. But at the time, you think you're cool doing it. You think you're an adult. And you try and talk to the younger people now and they're looking at you like, like you're a dope. And it's like, shit, like, you know, how, how these aren't going to listen. We didn't listen. And, and these this generation still, is it going to get worse by generation or is it going to get better? Like, how does that change? But I think the generation we are, we approach the younger ones a lot different yeah. to what we were when we were younger. We got belted or we were shouted at or made feel scared. Whereas now this generation will talk and guide them. It's a different sort of conversation. Yeah, Do you know that yeah. sort of way? The older generation, very close-minded and in, especially around addiction and... What will the neighbours say or about it? Like the older generation, like my mum, for example, and my dad, they... The both of them were addicted to alcohol and they just thought, you know, I'll just get on with life and, you know, I don't want to be a burden to anyone else. And eventually it just becomes too much. Mm-hmm. It really does, like, it's it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. And thankfully things are changing. People are being more open and more honest and speaking about their problems. Yeah. And it's needed. Oh, it definitely is needed. 100%. Yeah, yeah. But a lot, a lot of it back in the day was shame, wasn't it? And a lot of people, like my sister, felt awful shame. Do you know, she really did. She was always like, he used to think that everyone was talking about her and, you know, she she had that that attitude towards addiction. Like, you know, she never admitted she was an addict and that's what killed her. She yes. couldn't talk. The two of us had similar upbringings and I went and got help and I done my therapy and I'm here. So it just goes to prove what talking does. Yeah. Do you know, I was blessed. I had found the best counsellor in the world. Whereas my sister, she'd pull up outside the door and she'd be like, nah, affect this, I'm not going in. You know, she wouldn't accept the help. Yeah. Deep down, I think she was too far gone when when she did accept it. Was that difficult for you to deal with as well, knowing that you couldn't bring her with you, kind of? I didn't go into recovery till after she passed away. Yeah. And like I was saying it to you last week, over the years I'd always say I was addicted to this, I was addicted to that, but I never said I am an addict. I could never accept it myself either. And it was only when... I seen her headstone on her grave. She was a year dead and that's when I thought I I need help. Because that's when it hit me. She was gone. Because there was no going back from a headstone. You know, that sort of way. Because I really went to her grave because I could never accept it. And like, for me then, it was there's two options. There's recovery or death. I'm on my daughter. Has, like, I know she has her dad's family and stuff like that, but she's no siblings or anything. And I was thinking... I remember her face when they put my sister into the ground and I was thinking, I can't do that to her and not be there to support her. And the first week I was in rehab, we'd done a workshop on the Saturday and the counsellor asked us all the last date that we took a drink or a drug. And he wrote all our names up on the board and the date. And then he drew a feckin' head sewn around it. I was like, oh my God, this is... I literally got sick in my mouth. And like I was thinking, I'm feeling like this, looking at that. Imagine what that would do to my daughter. 
And that's, I was Tuesday, Wednesday, I was five days in rehab when that happened. And that's when I knew that. That was cut you apart. That, yeah, yeah. It really puts things in perspective. It really does. It really does. I got, I can't play Russian roulette with my life anymore. It's a shame that for a lot of us, it took really horrific things for us to, to get clean. Like, I think it's because at the time, you you never think it's as bad as it is. You hear stories about like, oh, this person overdosed or this person died and you're like, that's never going to happen to me. Yeah. Because you think you're cautious. I was reckless. Mm-hmm. Absolutely reckless. I didn't care if I lived or died. I really didn't. Yeah. Like, it's mad. It is. It's scary. Like even drink driving and everything like that. And then if someone else was doing it, I'd be calling them. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'd be yeah. like, you're mental. What are you? And sure, I'd only be after parking the car and after having a few joints there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, we never wanted to look at ourselves <laughs> no, like them. No. We were looking outside, pointing the finger at other people. Yeah, but that's what you do though, isn't it? Because it's taking the problem it's, away from yourself. It's making you feel better. Yeah. Yeah, because I used to look at people, you know, like you have this persona of what uh, an alcoholic is or a junkie is and stuff. Like they hate using the word, but you're thinking like, oh, well, he's worse than what I am. And that makes me feel better that my situation. Yeah, yeah he's bad. he's on heroin. We're <laughs> only using coke. Only coke I used to say. Yeah. Yeah. And the ha- yeah. I mean, whole life. Yeah. 10 grams an hour, like, but it's not a problem, you know. Madness. I used to think an alcoholic was a wino out in the street yeah. sitting on a bench with a bottle in a brown bag. Yeah. yeah. It's mad, isn't it? No, that's what I used to think was an alcoholic. And people still think that today. Yeah. Some people, yeah. This is going back last year. My parent was like, you're an alcoholic. Like, you've got something wrong with you. I'm like, I drink every couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> but those every couple of weeks is a week at a time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, like, I'm I'm so happy that, you know, and I would I would highly recommend anyone that's not, even that's not in recovery. And I was speaking to my sponsor about this last night, that I would love to go to treatment now, even being off substances nearly a year, like, just to get to know myself. You're, yeah. And to get, to, to get to the root of the problem. And, like, I would I love, even speaking with some people that have gone to treatment, I would love a, a normal people to even go into treatment. Just to get in touch with themselves. There's no such thing as normal people, no, though, is there? Exactly, Every, yeah. Everyone has an issue. Everyone. People just haven't got a programme. like we Yeah. And that's what I feel. We were talking about that as well, that people are out there living their lives with no programme. It's like, how the fuck? Like, yeah. I'm trying to tell normal people, do you do gratitude? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, they brought her into walk and all he did. Yeah, I'm just getting, everyone was in having a shit day and I was like, do you do gratitude? Do you do gratitude? Like, Let's do a gratitude list here. And like, Trying to push the program out to everyone. Yeah. But, um, yeah, thankfully today there's no fucking alcohol or substances involved. Mm. How long were you in treatment for? 30 days. They're all different. Like there's some 30 days, some 60 days, some yeah. six six months. And then people go off to secondary treatment and all. How did you find the coming out of treatment when you finished them? I was scared shitless. I was so nervous coming out. I really was because I, I got so safe in there. And like the counsellors were warning me, like when you do go out, just remember that outside having been into rehab, everything is still going to be floating by the same way. And I was, I knew what they were saying, but I wasn't seeing it, you know. And then when I come out, like I thought everyone would be making a fuss over me and people would be calling with flowers. Like I'd come out of the hospital or something, you know, that's sort of way. Not the case at all. I thought I was someone special, you know. My daughter picked me up down in Kerry, dropped me home and fecked off with her friend. Like I'm gone for 30 days, you know. But that's too Yeah. Peter, uh, Peter said that as well. He said he was coming up to a year and he was expecting, you know, all fucking red carpet out. Fireworks. Come up in a year and there was nothing. And he's like, ah, <laughs> sick. Do you mind me asking, what was treatment like for you? It was the best thing I ever done. It really was, because like that, I didn't know what boundaries were. Obviously, I told my counsellor and I didn't about my past, but I didn't tell my housemates that we used to call each other. Because I knew if, I told one or two that I was very close to, because I knew if I told them, I would have been wasting my time in rehab. Because yeah. when you're in there, they tear you inside out and they tell you what you need to hear. And if I was sitting there feeling sorry for myself, because it happened... On the outside world, they like after the court case of my father and stuff like that, people were saying, oh, I'm not surprised you do this and I'm not surprised you do that. Do you know what I mean? And that that was just an excuse. Yeah, do you know that sort of way? And I didn't want to be in treatment and for people to be saying, well, I'm not surprised you've done this and I'm not poor you. And I didn't need that because I was doing enough of that to myself. Do you know what I mean? It was poor me. Even my daughter, I used to say horrible stuff to her. Like she'd be giving out to me for drinking or taking drugs. I... I Pretend I'm having one can and I'd have five cans hid around the house going around in circles drinking it and her, she'd have her known well that I wasn't just drinking one can. Like. Yeah, we always tried to fill. That's it, but we're only fooling ourselves. 
Do you know what I mean? That we're only digging holes for ourselves. She'd be on to me, oh, ma'am, you're ha- you have a problem and you do- what are you doing? And I'd be saying to her, you don't know what it's like to live the life I had. You can sleep at night and no one come in. Do you know, saying horrible shit to her that she didn't deserve at all. One of the counsellors said to me in rehab and I was doing my... I was doing my eight reasons for being in treatment and she said to me, she goes, your daughter should have been taken off you. I wanted to get up off the chair and put her through the window, but she was right. Yeah. And the reason it hurt me so much is because it was the truth. Yeah, the truth, you know, it's Exactly. Yeah, like fucking true saying, isn't it? And I used to feel like they're all picking on me. <laughs> you know, that's all right. I remember, uh, tough love. I remember a fella here in Sligo when he went to treatment, I believe, 18, 19 years ago. There was him and a few of the lads and there was five of them leaving at the same time. And he said, oh, well done and good luck to the other four and said to him, you'll be back. And to this day, he has stayed clean in spite of what's oh, been said. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's so stubborn. He's, and he always mentions it. He always mentions, oh, he told me I'll be back in a couple of weeks. I'm still fucking clean. It's things like that that really stick with you because we've been, not that people have been lying to us for years, but... People have been like, ah, oh, you'd be all right. Sugar coating it. Yeah, yeah. Whereas we need we need them hard truths Do you have- told to us so that we can really feel that. And especially then with recovery, we're not allowed to react to these things anymore. No. We, we have, have to swallow that. It is tough, isn't it? Oh, really took me it took me a while to, to grasp that one. But then it's like, this is fucking amazing. When stuff happens now, I do nothing. I let it go and I move on and a few weeks later it's like, Jesus, that the situation is gone and yeah. do you know what I mean? Sometimes it's hard. But I just think back to my past of, of addiction, like when I did react and what fucking happened, you know, I blew up fucking a hundred times more. Even if I was in the right, it still didn't merit the things that would go on, do you know that kind of way? My attitude now with Gerberton happens for a reason, where when I was in addiction it was why me. Yeah. Do you know that's her way? Like, yeah, I do have to tell myself there's people out there a lot worse than me. I'm actually lucky. And the reason I know I'm lucky is because I'm alive. And it doesn't get any better than that one day at a time. And it it really is. Yeah, and and that's why this really works, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Like, because I do notice, like, when I, I don't do it anymore, but when I was coming up to an anniversary, let's say two months before the anniversary, almost there, I'm almost there. Then the time it starts dragging and then things would start exploding in my life. Oh, fuck. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just for today, you'll keep her in the day. It was always the way. You know, when I was coming up on a year, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a year clean, looking around the room. She's only two months. She is only a month. I'm Happy fucking God. God's gift. Like, do you know what I mean? And then we'd start fucking up and they're doing great because they're keeping her in the day. Do you know what I mean? It's... I can only imagine the panic on his face. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, God. <laughs> oh, I swear to God, it wasn't God. I won't do it again. It I wasn't swear. God. It was something. It wasn't God, but it was something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Then when I when I got four years clean, it was like, all oh, right, yeah, okay. It was just another day. Do you know what I mean? And it wasn't until two or three months passed after that. I was like, do you know what? I was, I was looking back at growth and saying like, do you know what? Well done, Dean. To myself. And not in a circle where people saying, oh, yeah, four years, it was like, you know what, well done, you, you got it. Then on the five years, it was, I was just overwhelmed. I just couldn't fucking believe it. That, that to me, was, was a big one. And it was my sister where I was doing it partly out of spite. I got a year clean, right? And I was saying to everyone, oh, this, this is, is I was in the time I was like, yeah, I'm a year clean and telling everybody and sending pictures. I said it to my sister and she says, all oh, right, yeah, come back to me when you're five. And it fucking killed me. Killed me. And I thought about that. Every few months I thought about that. And then leading up to five, I was like, you know what? I'm going to get me a little badge. I'm going to go up and I'm going to fucking stick her in her face. Come back to me with (laughs) intent. That's what she would have done. That's what she would have done. So I I didn't do it. I held off. Like, Do you find the treatment definitely helped then, yeah? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I knew I wanted it so bad, but I needed the time out. I don't know if I could have doing it on my own I, I don't I really wanted to and I'd be a stubborn enough person but I don't know if I could have done it on my own but like that I was on the pity pot my sister I was using her death as an excuse I was using my childhood as an excuse really I do, used to tell myself well I do have the perfect excuse it couldn't get any worse than what it was I needed the time out I needed to yeah, and accept everything that had happened because like it was a mad five years like my father getting arrested the court cases my granddad dying my granny dying 
and then my sister getting sick and then she recovered and then she then COVID kicked in like it was mental, mental absolutely mental so I, I needed that time out to accept that your father's in jail your granddad's dead your granny's dead your sister's dead do, do you know what I mean blah blah like you I needed to put down that strong strong fucking yeah, foundation like. yeah I really did when I was in there I done work on as I say in my boundaries spirituality I used to think spirituality is about God and stuff because they gave me work to do in spirituality yeah, and I was yeah. I was going around asking one of the lads, he was a guard, and I was like, what did you do for your spirituality? And it was all, all every second word was God. Why was I given this? Do you know what I mean? But it's not God. And like when I was writing that piece, and I honestly can't tell you what I wrote, do you know what I mean? Because when I was in there, I was in there, do you know? I had about 12 pages long, and it was the most beautiful thing I ever read in my life. <laughs> no, we had to shred everything oh, before no. we left, yeah. Yeah. When I was in treatment, right, the first day I went down, I was, a white butterfly landed on me a few weeks before I went in and I googled what it meant and it was like a loved one is letting you know they're okay. When I went down to treatment, and luckily my friend was with me because people think I was insane, which they do anyway, but I don't care. <laughs> I was like, I can't do this. And he was like, you can, you can, you can. Next thing, both 10 white butterflies came flying around me. Oh, that must have been all right. It was. Oh, I went to jelly. And then the second evening I was in there, you do out your reasons for being in. And we went up for a tea and it was mushroom ballabons. My sister's favourite food. Like she's four kids and she was married. And at the wedding, at every meal she used to have, that was mushroom ballabons. And then I was doing my step one and the counsellor had a dirty dancing t-shirt on. Tara, my sister, me, mine Steph's favourite film. And the day I was doing my goodbye letter to my addiction, a white butterfly landed on my clipboard. So you were open to all this. If you weren't oh, open to all this, you wouldn't have seen no. No, I... Because you were open. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't have thought twice about it. No, no. So I, I knew, I like, I don't I don't ever ask my sister for anything because I know if she can do it and she'll do it. And I want her to be at peace and I don't want to be giving her the burden of, well, I couldn't help her with that. I know if there's anything in this round, she's my higher power. Do you know what I mean? I didn't know what a higher power was. But like if she didn't die, I wouldn't have went into treatment. I had to lose her to find me. Do you know? And so like I look up to her all the time and I can even smell her around me at times. Do you know what I mean? And I don't know is that in my head, but it gives me comfort. That's good. Do you know, so it makes well, yeah. I don't I've, like... I've heard that as well. And and then sure, even when one of, when one of my mates died 11 years ago now, is uh, his ma gave me a T-shirt and I wasn't washed and he wore it the day before like and I could still smell him off that and the smell ended up in my whole house but yeah it was in a frame do you know what I mean it was in a frame and the whole house was smelling like him like. my sister or my daughter oh. has a jumper that Steph had on too the day before she died and we wrapped it in plastic and Sarah has it and when we moved house last year she took it out of the bag and the smell was still perfect and you could smell it in the house for hours afterwards. He had a curry stain on his t-shirt <laughs> and all the was. He had a curry in his ma's two days before. She said she'd wash the t-shirt but uh, lucky enough she never got a chance to wash it. Like, do you know what I mean? She gave it to me in a frame. Because I, I, I never believed in any of that stuff. Yeah. I used to think, oh, I don't know. But then when she gave me the t-shirt I was like, do you know what? I've never lost anyone as close as, as the friend. Like, few days later, the smell was all over the gaff. All over the house I was smelling. But yeah, this was in a fucking tight-ass frame. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It was mad. Like, I didn't open it, nothing like. Yeah. And I was like, do you know what? I'm believing this. And oh, here I am. <laughs> I love all this kind of stuff. I really do. It's powerful, isn't it? It really is. Like, I was closed-minded for a long time. And even all this spirituality stuff. I was like... It wasn't that you were closed-minded. You weren't in your own mind. Yeah. Blind. It was only a couple of months ago that a fella came down here one Sunday morning, Kenny, and sat down and shared his spiritual journey. And oh my God, that set was on a path, didn't it? Like if it was one episode, you know, no offence to all of our other guests, but that episode just pushed us in a level that we had never been even close to before. Do you know that kind of way? But didn't it? Drink cow and go for I was, going, I was going to soundbars for about four weeks straight after <laughs> trying to get into my zen. <laughs> oh, crazy, crazy. What's life like for you today, Sophia? Life is brilliant. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. You yeah. recently got 17 months, didn't you? I did. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Delighted with it. I really am. And like, it doesn't feel like 17 months because I've done so much in like the time since I came out of treatment. 
like I qualify as a personal trainer I've started a new job like I've met loads of new friends including you guys <laughs> do you know but life is part of the community now <laughs> yeah. part of the tribe yeah, love that but no, life is really good. And like my daughter, we have an amazing relationship. Like she's even on about going traveling now. Like she wouldn't go to a different county when I was in addiction. Do you know what I mean? And she's on about going traveling. She said to me one day, she goes, Mom, we don't argue anymore. It's like, cause we never affect so each other. It's a ripple effect, isn't it? Yeah. When one person goes into recovery, the whole family. Yeah, goes in. yeah, it really oh, is. God. Like even my brother-in-law, my sister's husband, like he just say to me, I'm so proud of you. Do you know what I mean? And I know he means it. Like, do you know, like he's he's an amazing human being as well. Everyone loves an underdog, like. We were underdogs. We came back from dirt, dirt like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. How? I don't know. Because we were meant to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we really were. It's like even with you guys, guys saying to Mikhail on the way down, Steph brought these guys into my life because my daughter got me a reading with Tanya. Yeah. And it was Tanya that told me about you. And the minute I sat down, Tanya goes, your sister's here. I was like, where? <laughs> you know, it was insane. And I, the room went cold. I could feel it and... And then she told me about Ian. That's why I said that Steph definitely brought Ian to my life. Like, I love what every time I hear stuff about reading, it's like, oh, no, don't do that. No, I don't what? want to read. I don't know. It's just, it just scares me. Scared of what you hear? Yeah, big time. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe this, this bollocks will fucking have me going for a reading next week. Yeah, you'll come with skydiving as well. Oh, do a skydive. I highly recommend it. I've done it twice. Yeah, we're so fair. Oh, but can you get me? I'm not going skydiving. Oh, I want to live. You can't kill a bad thing, you'd be sad. <laughs> you hear more yes, people dying and crying. Oh, I'm not a bad thing anymore, see, you know. <laughs> I'm better now. <laughs> oh, I don't want to jump. <laughs> You've no choice. No, I've never even jumped into the water, for fuck's sake. The what? <laughs> the water. Yeah. And look, you're flying at it now. You should do it, raise money for charity. I thought you were going down the flying lessons. I'm doing, I got flying lessons after my birthday. So just do that and be happy. With that. My brother in law left before he said it was the scariest thing ever. He'd done it as well. You want to see the video of the plane thing? <laughs> yeah, it was oh, like mentally. something mentally he says to me, right, the controls are yours. So I was like, well, what do you mean? Which way is left? What do you mean? <laughs> I had to pull this thing up and take it about here. He has had his hands folded. Over to you, over to you, over to you! I screamed for him to take it off. Take it off me when we were fucking men here. Like, you'd be safe if you're in a parachute jump because you have a parachute in your back and someone controlling it. No way. Why? No way. This is three episodes now you brought me something. <laughs> 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 yeah, but I'm not doing it. Well, you love it. Underdog story, bro. <laughs> That's not good to do with an underdog. That's if I do it doing a parachute, people would be like. He, you go down in history. <laughs> <laughs> so I, go, I go out with a bang, all right. <laughs> Head off the dirt. <laughs> no, there'll be some, the ta- it'll be a tandem jump. The person that's strapped here will it'll want to come out, so it will come out. It'll be different if you're doing yeah. it on your own. Become adrenaline junkies when we get to the hundred percent, yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's why I told him. That's why I didn't want to go in dipping this morning, because I was in yesterday, and I knew if we went back in today, we would have been like 100 miles an hour. <laughs> like, yeah, all right. Oh, we want to relax today. And yeah, nice and chill. that's because we didn't go dipping. Yeah, and Sophia joined us <laughs> two weeks ago now, wasn't it? No, it was last, last week. week. Oh, last I, week. I went two week, three weeks ago, was it? But I didn't get in. Well, lunch. <laughs> Next time I'll have to let go of the railing. One, yeah. one dip at a time. <laughs> I only let go of the railing uh, yesterday morning for a few seconds. I bleed and shit myself. It's like this <laughs> doggy paddle thing back over to the rail. I'm glad nobody's seen me. <laughs> yeah, it was one of my friend's birthdays he's also in recovery for the past couple of years we created mayhem together and uh, I just set up a wee wee dip for his birthday he loved it man loved it it was really nice out there today wasn't it so guys we're going to take a little break now for a second and we'll be right back after this ad this season is sponsored by Cloud9 Dogs the Norwest Force Doggy Daycare Centre located on the old Dublin Road Carrow Sligo if you're inside a 10k radius, have your dog picked up in the doggy van and dropped home out the daycare. Opening hours are 8.30am to 6pm. Get your dog groomed by their groomer that has over 12 years experience in the game. If you're going on holidays, you can also book your dog into the Cloud9 Dogs Hotel, located on the premises, where night staff will be present. Find them on Facebook, Instagram and even TikTok. For all your doggy needs, their website is www.cloud9dogs.com. That's www.cloud9dogs.com. How's life with uh, the PT and now? Good, yeah. 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 
Is that something you always had interest in her? Yeah, I was always interested in the gym. I never... The handling junkie. <laughs> <laughs> she can't just handle going in on her own. She wants to go in with other people as well. Take it to the next level. But like, it's only since I came out with treatment that I'm getting the benefits of it. Because I go to the gym, I'd have a joint outside. <laughs> I go in, do a workout, go home, treat myself with a can of beer. <laughs> you yeah, know, have yeah, another yeah. joint, eat another shot. <laughs> I'd also go in off my head on coke and, do you know, I think oh, I was there and it's watching My face be all over the shop. My fingers are like indicated. Of course, sure, when people are in the gym, their faces are all over the place. Yeah, that's true. Like, I look like I have a stroke or something. <laughs> no, but it's it's going good. Yeah. 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 And see when, you got, see when you got that, like, an active addiction, we say we want to do this, we want to do that. And obviously, an active addiction you want to do as well. I was half doing there. everything, but I you, couldn't you get there. Get yeah. there. So then... When you did get there, what was that like? Did you did you take a moment to yourself? Oh, I did a hundred percent, yeah. Because I was thinking, oh, I can't do that. I'm stupid. I left school at twelve, and when no one ever tells you you're good, you're good. I didn't think I'd have the head on me to do it, but I did it, and well done. I done it all on your own as well. Yeah, self thought. Yeah, love that. yeah, I absolutely loved. It. I left school when I was about thirteen or fourteen as well, and I was taught. I was driving to work the other day. I went near this, so I was driving to work the other day, and I was fully suited, three piece suit, and my teacher was pulling out. Um, one of my old teachers that told me I was, I, my, te- one of my old teachers that I, she told me I was never going to amount to nothing. And she went to pull out, and I just pulled out in front of her, and I was like, "I make more money than you. See you later." <laughs> From this person that told me I was never going to amount to anything. For that's not so. good recovery, though, isn't it? That's something. No, mind your business. <laughs> that's not good. Should have ran into it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's the madness coming out now. <laughs> that's my recovery. I want to go back to my old school and do a talk. I am. I am. I can see her all, I'm manifesting her all. When we get this caravan on the road, up to Dublin. He can't wait, he can't wait to get away from me. I'm too hyper for him. No. You're like yin and yang, isn't it? Beavis and butthead. <laughs> He's like me walk wife. <laughs> That's what he is, me walk wife. <laughs> oh, what is, what's your goals for the next couple years? Well, you've got any. for the next year, I just want to... Just like live the life I'm living, you know, just kind of still getting used to it. Yeah, like I, I'm still figuring out who I am. I've never been sober this long since I was pregnant with Sarah and I can't really remember before that. So I'm just getting used to the, the normal life. My goal eventually is to do addiction counselling. So my goal eventually is lifestyle coaching. Yeah. That's amazing. Because I think people will listen to you when you're speaking your truth. Yeah. You're not reading from a book. Because I went to therapists over the years and they'd be talking, I'd be like, and they're not addicts they're not, no. they're not alcoholics they haven't gone through tra- trauma stuff a lot of them are basically telling you just cop on like do you know what I mean there's no empathy in them at all no. my whole life has been crazy so like anyone that comes into me with, with issues I've probably lived most of them do you know what I mean so but that's that is fucking amazing like to have gone through what you've gone through and now you want to use that yeah. to go and help others like yeah. I mean, that, that's very fucking brave like. and you know that does me good because yeah. like it's every t- every time I talk about it, I'm I'm like I'm taking the plaster off a wound. Yeah. Do you know when you go to the pit of your stomach to talk about stuff, it's it's like a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. Even though I could tell my story a million times, I'm still going to lose a million plasters. Because when you tell it, it comes out different every time. It, it could come from the heart one day, it could come from the head another day. Do you know it it just comes from a different I, place I all feel, the time. I feel in the first two years of recovery, you tell it a lot as well. Yeah, I don't know. What it is, when I jumped in the hussy there last week, because I was not ready for what I was going to say. Like, yeah. You know, like, I just wasn't ready because I haven't done it in a while. But I think oh, when you first oh. go into recovery, you tell it so many times because you're you're so happy you can tell it. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's yeah. like everything else, that, that buzz sort of wears off. Do you know that sort of way? I think you get such a, a relief in being able to say these things out loud. Even when I was doing my statements of the guards and I'd be talking about my father... And when I'd refer to myself, I'd always say your, because I couldn't admit it was me I was on about. So I'd be like, he'd do this to your instead of saying to me. Do you know, whereas now I'd say me, I, myself, whereas in the past I'd always refer to me as somebody else. But now I can say myself because I'm not ashamed anymore. And the more I talk about it, the less shameful I feel. I don't feel any shame for it now. That's because I can talk about it. I have talked about it. And I'm not carrying his shame around with me anymore because that's all I was. And you're also reaching out to people all over the country with this as well because I listened to your other two podcasts you're doing as well and holy fuck, like, the amount of people that are going to benefit from this 
That's what I do tell myself. If I had someone like me to talk to, or my sister had someone like me to talk to, that's the way I, I look at that. it. And that's why I, I, I have to be so honest. Is because I was lied to my whole damn life. I was made feel like I was wrong. I was crazy. I was this. I was everything I wasn't. And then lied to ourselves. Yeah. Break that fucking cycle. To break the cycle. It's like a domino effect. Do you know, like my daughter was affected because of what my parents done to me. It has to stop somewhere. Absolutely. I'm so happy. Now, my my son's two next month. He's gorgeous. Yeah, he's two next month. And I'm so happy that, you know, for the first year of his life, I was non-existent, not present, drinking, taking drugs. And I'm so happy because I grew up in that house. And I'm so happy that he doesn't have to see that with me, like... He's a little cutie. Anytime I see him, it's like, ah, look at football today as well, man, he's chuffed. Isn't it class? He can oh. do them things, though. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't have wanted to be there. Yeah, really it would have been like, a hindrance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a burden. I wanted to be on my own, but I, wa- I didn't want to be alone, if that makes sense. Fair play to you as well, because it wasn't until two, two and a half years before I started talking about my kids in recovery. I just couldn't go there. So, I mean, and then it was like, do you know what? Like I heard other people talking about it and it was just everywhere then and I was like, This is a fucking sign, like I, I have to yeah. get real with all this shit like But as you just said there as well, I have to be honest, like I was very loud and flamboyant when I was using and drinking. I didn't give a shit. So like yeah. if I'm in recovery now I need to be like that. I need to be open, I need to be honest. Yeah. Um some people are like, you know, you need to be very careful what you're saying and going to the papers and speaking publicly. I don't care, like I was in the paper every second week for all the long things <laughs> yeah. anyway. So like, yeah, it doesn't, that, it doesn't make it, a fucking it? difference. Like, yeah. oh, and then with our podcast, fuck off. You go and hide the recovery if you want to. Do you know what I mean? But they're like, the ones that talk because it's jealousy. It's bitterness. Yeah. It's jealousy. Because yeah, they can't I, admit I, it. I don't want to be miserable. I really don't want to be miserable. I'm trying to live. The life you deserve. Yeah. I don't want to escape from what I'm living right now at the moment. That's cool though, isn't it? Yeah, it's mad. Yeah. I have a life now that I never knew existed. I really, I didn't think there was life outside drinking drugs. Violence. I used to think the same. Even before I went into rehab, one of the lads turned around to me, like, don't ever change. Because I was crazy, like, do you know, I was mad. People used to love seeing me coming. Hang on, you know, were crazy? crazy. <laughs> <laughs> crazy, I was meant yeah. <laughs> I'm still a tad, but, like, it's controlled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's good, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. Honestly, yeah. Never, never change. Never change. He thought that once they find into recovery, I'd become boring person do you know but no <laughs> the course on this podcast it's okay <laughs> didn't change me that way well, I got matter yeah I'm more crazy now today yeah without the drugs yeah I don't know what I am <laughs> I'm here <laughs> if you hang around me you must be fucking crazy yes along the lines of that and they're all the fears we had coming into recovery wasn't it oh I'm gonna change I'm not gonna be the person I am and this and that and that's what I try and tell people it's like yeah you should have come to the meeting after the meeting and you'll see how fucking crazy, crazy yeah. 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 Do you still go to meetings now? I don't go to as many because I don't have the time. Yeah. That's not an excuse. I genuinely don't. Do you know that's right? It's not, I'm not saying, oh, I don't need them or anything like that. Don't get right. I do have shit days. There's so many ways of, of being in recovery today. You know, for a while, it was, for me, it was just meetings, meetings, meetings. But then it got to a point where meetings weren't enough. Do you know what I mean? I had to start adding other things in because it was just getting up in the morning, it's an AA on at one o'clock. Doing fuck all till one o'clock. Going into the meeting crazy. Coming out feeling a bit better. And then waiting around until the evening for another meeting. I was like that for the first four or five months as well when I come out. Hard, isn't yeah, it? it is. But yeah, you do you have to take a road by yourself too as well. Yeah, like. You have to just take your own route. You, yeah. You're being forced and you want to listen to this person because he looks well. Or you yeah. want to listen to her because she has a nice car outside. Or, or you make some sort of connections. Yeah. But then you try all of these ways that pe- other people are doing and it doesn't work for you. But that's the attitude to have too when you're in addiction is like I want to go to the pub and sit with them because they look like they're having better crap yeah. than them. And do you know it's the, it's yeah, the, it's it's the like you're thing. chasing people to make you feel yeah. good about yourself. You're following the crowd, basically. Now that you've kind of, you don't go to as many meetings now, how do you deal with life? I oh, just... Did Jim, Jim would be a big part well, of the That's not a question. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, Jim is a major part, but I can't depend on that either. Do you know, I do, I do have bad days. Even Christmas Day, I, I fell asleep and I had a dream that I was using. In my dream, I found a load of notes in an old pair of jeans and I was taffing them and loads of coke coming out of them. And... In my dream, as soon as I was putting my head down to take it and I woke up and oh my God, I was like a bit for a half hour after I woke up. I could literally taste it like, 
and woke myself. It was it, they're scary. And like I still, I do, do get the odd craving. Like I thought I'd crave drink more than coke, but it's no, it's the coke because it's that instant. instant. I can relate to that. As well, yeah. yeah. I still, odd, an odd time now, I, if I'm lying in bed, I can smell coke. And it's yeah. always the nice coke as well. <laughs> always. Never the shite. Never a shite. Of like, it is. It's very real. It's very surreal. Yeah. Christmas Day was another one for me as well, just like you mentioned it. I felt like there was a big, like, fucking black cloud just come over me. I did Christmas Day. I found Christmas Day very hard this year, whereas last year I didn't because I was four months in recovery. So I was still on that high and going to meetings. I went to two, two meetings Christmas Day, like, you know, that sort of way. Whereas this year was very different. I was kind of left on my own then Christmas Day night because my daughter went out and my brother-in-law went home with the kids and stuff. And I did. I started feeling sorry for myself. So when I said, I can't be doing this shit, like, you know, I told them to go. Do you know what I mean? Did you? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, go and do your own thing, like, do you know what I mean? You can't believe like, you fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, where the fuck's everyone gone? Why am here on my own? I mean, telling them all to go off and have a great time. Like, do you know? But like, no, I, I did, I got over it. I got through it, like. Not easy. It's not easy, no. But Anton, that, Anton, that's lesson. easy isn't worth it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I love that. Do you know, the harder it is, the, the better the rewards. Absolutely. That's where the growth is. Yeah, 100%. Definitely. We have to take everything as a lesson today, don't we? It's a lesson or a lesson. We have to see something from it. Yeah. Even negatives. I've learned to do this for myself is to to take a positive out of every negative. There's always one. If you search deep into a negative negative thing, you'll always find the positive. You'll always pull out a positive, no matter what. I was telling you, I was hanging on my cigars, yeah? Yeah, I knew you were going to say this. And I went into obsession. I put my phone down and I was like, hang on a second. I need to fucking assess this. And I was glad I went into obsession with it because I kept going into obsession with everything else and I was justifying it. So then when I came to this, I was like, I can't justify it. They're just fucking cigars. Like, they don't mean anything to me. So then I was able to see that and be like, you know what? I'm glad that this happened so that I could take myself out of the situation. I just had to say that you're a winkle. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I'm proud of you. <laughs> you're so patronising. Oh, man. We don't give a fuck. You'll suffer for that again, though. Ah, uh, who, me? No, I'll forget, forget about that and a half now. When you? Goldfish, but See you, you fucking prick. <laughs> I'll forget all about it. You'll say it to me tomorrow, I'll be like, what are you on about, man? <laughs> That's a good way to be. <laughs> yeah. I'm bad with well, memory. Well, I know. No, it's just you don't care. But it's a bit of both. Yeah. A bit of both. A bit of both. No, because sometimes I really do care. Sometimes the stuff can eat you up and it can really fucking go into self-hatred, like, you know, I'm like almost going back in, into fucking suicidal thoughts. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, sometimes. But I just, I wouldn't really talk about it because I'm ashamed about it. Because it's like you're so long in recovery then things shouldn't be bothering you. Yeah. Yeah. She said it. I couldn't, I couldn't grab that. She had to grab it out here. Yeah, because I, I, I do think that. I you know, I've done it. all this work. I've done all this work on myself. I, I can't fucking, this can't be happening now. Or, do you know what I mean? Or I'll just brush it off and, and go again and pull myself over. Because like. I've, I've hated myself for so long. Like. You know what I mean? I've only started to love myself in the last year, year and a half. Because uh, just all that shit. Like. Do you know what I mean? All, all, this, all this shit that happened. And it only brought it all back up for me then when I was on that episode last week. I mean, it is powerful to say you love yourself, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I have to really tell myself that because any given day I can grow up and just be like, yeah, walk by a mirror. You're like, fucking idiot and this, that. And I can just go off for the day like that. Do you know what I mean? And, and then it's hard pulling that back. I'm, when I'm trying to pull it back, I'm thinking about all the bad I've done. In my act of addiction, even though we're not responsible for that, we still take her on something. That's that part of our brain. That's the addict part of our brain. Thinking, thinking. Yeah, but like the good part obviously takes over because there's you never give in. And then this as well, like this connection. I I need fucking connection all the time. Like yeah. I can't go without. Like yeah, I did find it quite lonely as well when I went into recovery. I yeah. thought to be fair, I thought I was going to lose everyone. I'm not going to go see my friends. I'm not going to go to festivals. I'm not going to do anything like that. It's completely opposite. Yeah. I'm meeting with new people, doing new experiences. You come in on a great fucking time. I fucking did. <laughs> Blessed. I wouldn't have been able to stick to online meetings if I was during COVID. I would have been out there again. Or I would have just been lying. Yeah. I don't know how you've done it. Fair fucking play to you because it wouldn't have been me. I'm so happy that I well, you had to. Oh? You had to. 
And I'm so proud of NA and AA for the way they handled it. The meeting shut down. We were going straight online. No waiting around. You know, straight from the problem, straight into solution. Meetings started up all over the fucking world with Zoom, like. Nobody here, oh, what's Zoom? Everybody downloading fucking Zoom, like. Zoom was nothing before before COVID, like. But yeah, it was out a couple of years. Boom. Overcome and adapt. And then, like, the, the power hour, the meeting in Dublin, there was another one at half seven and it's half seven every morning and half nine every night. These two Dublin meetings. People got clean and started these meetings up. Like, do you know what I mean? The one started up with people with five or ten years clean. Like, people got clean, went on to Zoom and started these meetings up. And they're still going to this fucking day. Like, it's very powerful. Like, it's very powerful. You know, all these recovery rooms have such a persona, and I even thought it for myself. And it's I'm so fucking grateful that there's so many young younger people yeah. coming into the rooms now. Like, it's really, really good to see, like, so many people from Sligo have reached out to me, like, yeah. well, not just Sligo, but, like, fucking Scotland, England, all over Ireland. Yeah, it's matters. Yeah, and it, it needs to be. It needs to be told about, and it is being told about, but it's fucking powerful. Because that's why everyone, everyone that comes into recovery, they're like, well, these are all not older than me. Maybe I should go back out and use. Not 15 years, and then come back in. Do you know what I mean? And. Yeah. You feel you shouldn't be there, like, no, yeah. No. I'm not as bad. I'm, you know, I'm not as bad. Yeah. I didn't lose all that yet. Yeah. And, and and little did I know, these all had 20 and 30 years sober. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? These yeah. all come in the same age I did. Some of them younger, like. But it's like when you first go into recovery, too, it's like you do go into a child mind. Do you know, you, you do. Like yeah, you do. Because you, you've nothing to sugarcoat your emotions or anything like that. We stopped growing at very early age, yeah. didn't we? yeah. <laughs> like I was telling him and he was breaking his heart laughing I only learned how to cut chicken fillets about fucking about four or five months ago do you know what I mean I couldn't cook chicken fillets I was saying it to Lydia and she was like what the fuck you, you can't put them there I'm like what do you mean it's... I just got them and I was just I was going on going on this healthy buzz the gym I'm going to cook me chicken fillets I'm going to put them in the freezer and I'll had them all over the counter and the draining board. Just like, what are you doing? You, have to, you can't be putting your hands on them. And now you can't be touching this and touching that. Breading them and then around oh, I was like, oh. but that that's the complete madness of it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I couldn't prepare chicken fillets to go in the freezer. like, And the amount of other things that I, I can't do either. It's fucking ridiculous. Like, we'd be here all night if I was just like naming them. Like, but you have them, though. I know, but like... No but boss, like, there's no, no boss. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> go on, go on, say it. We don't know. <laughs> you can take pride in the things you can do, but not in the things you can do. Yeah, he, do, he doesn't uh, agree with you. He doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah. Solve uh, it. Some, it's mad. A, a different day is a different feeling. Should have went yeah. for a swim this morning. <laughs> you fucking should have. Yeah. No. Why? We can say no today and not do something. And not be perfect. It's a boundary. It's a healthy, it's a healthy boundary. I just didn't want it. I was in yesterday. Where were you yesterday? He was watching working. Gordon Ramsay. Were you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, watching Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, I was working. Hell's <laughs> Kitchen. What time were you in Mocha yesterday? 12. <laughs> what time were you going for the dip at, man? I need to mind the child. <laughs> <laughs> I want to come out, man. I fucking love water. Could have brought it with you. I'm only messing. I could have given my life jacket. Intentionally. <laughs> what a bit of love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, really nice having you down. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to connecting again mm-hmm. much more often. Yeah, definitely. You're stuck with me now. Oh, good. Yeah, they're stuck good. with me. Deadly. The community has grown. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe some people of your up your way can come out with me as well. Yeah. I'll fucking... Like, there's another group that do this while we're doing with the community in Dublin and they want to link up as well. They're like three, four hundred members. Like That's mad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Colin does his own I was stuff, just going yeah. to say, Colin is like, he, he, like he does his he own stuff. Blue balls, doesn't he? Yeah. I was seeing him out, out yesterday with like, oh, he's like Dallaford and all yesterday he was out with. He was asking balls. us to go down. He said he, he was asking us to go down for a, a swim down there. He put us up in his place. I oh, should do. He's yeah. such a he's a class dude. Like he's yeah, just yeah, so real. When we started this podcast back July the twenty sixth last year, I was looking for <laughs> names. I was looking for names on my podcast, and uh, I ended up stumbling, stumbling across him. Been listening to him ever since. Like it's fucking deadly. Like. Yeah, he's so chilled. Like because yeah. a few people that listened to the one I don't him, they were like, "Was that fella stoned?" <laughs> like, yeah. no. Pure alive. He's got it. I was telling him you said that it. last week, like he was buzzing with the when that you were saying that last week that he's got it. Like. He's he's found himself, like he's found his his level, like yeah. You know what I mean, like even the way he owns the episode, like 
how are you? It's like, <laughs> I could not do that for if I tried a million times. Oh, how are you? So I'm just fucking, yeah. do you know what you I mean? You sound like Peter Gallagher, what do you do? Oh, it takes me a while to relax, look. Yeah. So he just, he can just... Yeah, but he's 10 that. years now in a year more. Yeah. No, and he's doing a lot, of support, a lot of sport and stuff like that, yeah. you know, and that drains you too, like, do you know what I mean? He's very chill. He is, yeah. yeah. Have you ever thought about doing, like, public speaking or... I do, like, that, that, that has to happen. That has to happen. Are you very much open and open? Oh, I'm an open book, absolutely. Yeah. I, like, I talk to the wall about my life if it listened to me, do you know, that sort of way. Like, even in the gym, like, I'll be people in me and working out stuff and I'm over talking to them and telling them about my life and next thing then we're there for an hour talking back and do you know what I mean and it's just like I have to be open and honest about it do you know what I mean because if I oh, I people are amazed as well aren't they people are yeah. shocked with the honesty yeah like, but the amount of hell? stuff that people will tell you then as well because yeah, you're yeah. being honest with them like and it, that could change their day dramatically like just one word do you know what I mean that they get out from the pit they're so upset that can change their lives like, shit, like of course they are yeah. that's why I'd be so honest as well is because even people that have suffered childhood, any sort of childhood trauma, that's taken away their adulthood as well. Do you know, that sort of way. And like, I have to speak about it to let other people know that what you went through is normal. Do you know, as mad yeah. and all as that sounds, yeah, it's yeah. it's normal. You're not on your own. Do you know, that sort of way. Yeah. Like, there's, there's a lot of people out there that talk about addiction and stuff like that and about other stuff, but there's not many people that talk about their childhoods. Yeah. You know, that's where it all starts. Yeah, that's exactly. exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah. That's yeah. when I went back to my school. When I went to primary school, like, I got bullied for years. Like, and yeah. Sometimes I, I didn't even make it out the steps. Like, they used to throw me down the steps. And I remember the first time, I remember the first time I was I was driving up to get the kids. For the first while, I was getting the train or the bus or whatever. Then I started driving. And I drove up to the corner. And, you know, you look right, you look left, the usual. And I look left, they're just seeing the steps of the school. Turned and started running with my mask, I could feel my eye twitching, I could feel my lip pulled in on my mask, and I was like, Oh, what the fuck is wrong with me? And then I oh, just started coming back, like, from the bullying, like, do you know what I mean? I was mad, like, yeah, that's why I want to go back there, I want to go back to that school for myself, for create your demon, yeah, and then take the power mm-hmm. back that you yeah. that you know what I mean, yeah, and it, it does work, like, because yeah. I'd done a documentary before and they brought me back to where I grew up. And like I actually spoke about my childhood when I was in those areas and it done me the world of good. Like I was standing at the alleyway looking in at the back door of my house and I was saying like I used to stand here and not knowing what was going on with my sisters in the house and stuff like that. It's powerful but it, it is, it's facing, facing yeah, taking the bull by the horns basically. Nobody yeah. else can help you in a situation like that. People can be standing around you, people can be holding you, they're still not yeah. doing anything for you, it's yeah. still all you like. It is powerful. Yeah, it is all internal. Yeah. And then you have to get it out. You do because you're not going to live the life you deserve if you're carrying it. No. 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 Like we'll never fully recover, but we can deal with it. You cope. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks a million. I'm fucking so emotional right now. That was was amazing, like really. and, And it's brought up a lot of stuff for me around trauma as well. Like, you know, it was really good to fucking see it again as well. Really, really appreciate it. Man, I'm to do the honours. Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Logstock and Two Joking Addicts. Sophia, thank you so much for coming back down. Boom! <laughs>